Welcome to the Montgomery Community Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to grow deeper in your faith. If you'd like to learn more about MCC, you can visit our website at mcc.church. Good morning. I'm very excited to be here with you today, as, as Phil said. So welcome, those of you that are here in church, those online that may still be drinking your coffee and in your PJs, welcome. I just wanna say to anybody who's here for the first time or if you brought someone new, um, there's nothing worse than the disappointment of bringing someone new to a church and you're expecting to see Pastor Phil or Pastor DJ or Amy or Shauna and then boom, some new dude's up there talking. So please come back next week. Pastor Phil will be here. And uh, you'll get the, the, the real MCC, although I'm, I'm the real MCC too. As, as Phil was talking, I'm uh, the men's coordinator here at MCC, and I have a quick message for you men um, as we're getting the men's ministry up and moving again. Um, gird up your loins, because I'm coming for you. Uh, <laughs> so I'm here today because I love talking about God's promise of eternal life in heaven. I want to share with you why I believe in heaven but I also wanna offer some comfort to you about the difficult thing that precedes it. I wanna testify about God's goodness in the midst of death and dying. I know that not everyone experiences grief in the same way. We all grieve differently, and I don't know your experiences, um, but I know there's a lot of anxiety and fear around death and a lot of confusion about heaven, so I wanna share my experiences to comfort you with the comfort that God's given me. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul has this to say about death and dying and grieving. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with, him, with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Paul doesn't want any of us to be ignorant of the fact that those believers who have gone on before us are with Jesus right now, and they will be with Jesus when he returns. They're alive in Christ at this very moment. But notice that Paul doesn't say not to grieve. He just says that we shouldn't grieve as those who don't know Jesus. We shouldn't grieve as those who have no hope, because we have hope. Even in our grief, we have hope that death is just a doorway to pass through to continue the eternal life that we're already living. Amen. My own experience with death starts with my oldest brother, Rick. He was the oldest of nine kids. I'm number seven, just to give you perspective. Lucky number seven. My oldest brother was what you would call a hellion. In fact, if you Google a hellion, there's probably a picture of my brother Rick there. He's devilishly handsome, scruffy face. Uh, he's smoking two cigarettes, one out of each side of his mouth. And his hand is up, but he's not waving. Good old Rick. All of the police, the local police, knew my brother's name when he was growing up in high school. And to give you some perspective, he and his friends got caught swimming in red, former Reds owner Marge Schott's swimming pool, uninvited, of course, at one time in the past. I think that's probably the best way to describe who Rick was. When, he was, when I was five years old, Rick was 17 years old, and one night he was at a house party, and he was in the backyard with some friends. They were jumping on a trampoline, and Rick bounced off and landed on his head. He broke his neck and almost severed his uh, spinal cord. He didn't die, but he was a quadriplegic. And for the next six months, he spent time recovering in a hospital 
in Columbus where the doctors repeatedly told my parents that he would never walk again. But as we know, our God is a God of miracles. And my brother wiggled his toe one day and then he wiggled others' toes and then he moved more and eventually he walked out of that hospital with two canes to the doctor's complete amazement. And they could only attribute it to a miracle, the doctor's which was highly satisfying for my parents who had been praying for so long. Rick worked hard after that to have as normal a life as possible. By the time he was 24, his life was taking a pretty positive turn. Things were starting to come together for him. And then about a month before his 25th birthday, he was out with friends boating on the Ohio River one night and Rick drowned. You can imagine the difficult shock and the sudden of this sudden unexpected death of a young man who'd already recovered from a horrible accident. He was engaged to be married at the time, and it was a really big shock for my family. It's a tragedy of tragedies, right? But I wanna share with you the perspective that God gave my family, and in particular, what he gave my mom following this tragedy. I know that no tragedies are the same. We have this kind of sliding scale as humans though and the death of a young person entering their prime is something we consider as a very tough experience. But the night my brother drowned, my brother Chuck was also with him and he and Rick's best friend Steve returned home and my mom was already awake. And guess what she was doing? She was reading her Bible. She was already up with Jesus and he was there ready to comfort her when they arrived home to tell her the news. I can't imagine what it took for my brother and his friend to walk through the door to deliver that. It always gets me when I think of that. But my mom had such peace from the get-go. After they gave her the news, a short while later, she recalled a prayer that she had prayed the night before. She said, Jesus, I prayed to you. I asked you to bring them home safely. And he replied to her thought, I did. I brought him to my house. And my mom loves to tell this part of the story because she says, I said, what? And he was so sweet that he repeated himself to me. He said, I did. I brought him safely home to my house. That was a comforting thought for me and my family and my mom that she shared with us. John 14, two says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. We were so comforted in our grief with that thought. It's so important for us to realize that Jesus didn't just die because he would have been just like every other man. He died and rose again. He paid for our sins and he offered us resurrection and eternal life. But why did he rise again to give us eternal life, but also to comfort us? Because he spoke as someone who had been there and done that when it came to death. He proved that there was an afterlife because he came back to talk about it. And he came back to reassure us of our own experience with death and fortify our hope in him, our hope in salvation, and our hope in heaven. Those of us that have moments when we fear death, we need to remember this. We know someone who's already been there. My brother Rick, his body died, but his soul lives on in heaven. The morning I found out about Rick's death, I remember standing in the bathroom, staring in the mirror, and two thoughts came to my mind. The first one was, I'll never see my brother on this earth again, but 
But immediately following that was the thought, my brother's in heaven. How could I ever want him back here? So the Lord took my brother to his house and he comforted my family. Another verse that a friend of my mom's shared with our family at the time was Psalm 116.15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. If we think about that for just a minute, my brother's death was precious to the Lord. We may get caught up in our grieving, but if we could take on God's perspective and see death as something precious, wouldn't that be cool? Amen? Amen. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. My, my wife and I have been married for 20 years this year. Alan, if you can remember, remind me in about a week, I really need to plan something for that. I have a few months to go, but like, I wanna make sure I nail that one. 20 years is a big deal. We were married for a few years, and uh, we be Anna became pregnant. I, did, I made that mistake the first service. We didn't become pregnant. Anna became pregnant. A lot of us men, we like to take credit for everything. No, no, no. Anna became pregnant a couple years into our marriage. And we were so excited because we had a four-bedroom house with no kids to run around and play in. We had uh, been filling it with all kinds of things. Anna loved, loved and still does love shopping. And so it was a, it was a, a great time in our, in our life. But when we went for our 20-week ultrasound, we found that something wasn't right with the baby's heart and lungs. Initially, the doctors told us it was something that they could correct after birth, but we found, a couple, found out a couple weeks later that the, the condition was very uh, severe as we went to a cardiologist down at Children's Hospital. We were definitely stunned by the news, but God's peace soothed us and comforted us unbelievable, unbelievably. I can't tell you how many little mini miracles and little blessings God gave us along the way through that pregnancy. And without a doubt, it was the time that Anna and I drew the closest to the Lord in our entire lives, and he drew close to us, and he comforted us. At one point, we sat in a room with 10 doctors, and they told us that our child had a 0% chance of making it past to birth. We know our God is a God of miracles, right? So that didn't phase us. God doesn't care about percentages. But we knew that we probably wouldn't be bringing our baby home but we got to share with those doctors the peace and the comfort that our God was giving us. We got to let them know that our baby was in God's hands. It was an awesome time, an awesome moment for us to be able to comfort them. Overall, that time period was not easy. We had to go to an ultrasound weekly to check on the health of the baby. My amazing wife had to endure well-wishing strangers who would ask her about the due date or who would congratulate her and she knowing that we probably wouldn't be bringing the baby home. But God gave us hope throughout that time. We were in our Bibles and as I said, we drew near to Jesus and he drew near to us. One of the verses that brought us comfort was this one in Romans chapter five. We glory in our tribulation also knowing that tribulation works patience and patience experience and experience hope. This is one of the few formulas in the Bible. Hope begins with trials, troubles, tragedy, tribulation, all the terrible T's, right? 
We start there. And God leads us through those things and he gives us hope. And that hope was something that strengthened Anna and I through all that. The day of our baby's birth, Jesus was there comforting us throughout. We had a little daughter named Sydney, which was a surprise because I thought I, it was a girl. I thought we were having a boy because I, I uh, mistakenly had identified uh, on an ultrasound that we were going to be having a boy, and I was completely confused, obviously, by that. But, uh, but it was such a little blessing that we'd have a girl waiting on us in heaven. Uh, she, she came into life. She took a big look at her parents as if she was looking at the voices she's heard for months, and then she went to be with Jesus. And I have to tell you again how amazing that time was for my wife and I. It put our marriage on a new trajectory, being drawn that close to the Lord and through that. And he comforted us every moment with his word. I couldn't share that with you if I hadn't been through it. God's used it to work good as well. I love what Pastor DJ said last week. If it's not good, he's not done working. And God continues to use our story and Sydney for us to comfort others. It's amazing. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with him, with Jesus, those who have fallen asleep in him. We do not grieve as those who have no hope. Last year, last March, a little over a year ago, my dad passed away from dementia. It was about a four to five year slow decline, full of all kinds of embarrassing and difficult moments for my dad. Agonizing at times. There's something deeply sorrowful as a child when you take care of your parents in a way that they once took care of you. I share that with you so that you know when I talk about celebrating death, I'm not just some cold-hearted soul I'm not ignoring the fact that we grieve or that it's hard because it's hard and we grieve, but we just don't grieve as those who have no hope. My dad, as dads often are, was one of the strongest, was the strongest, hardest working man I ever knew. He wasn't strong like a gym rat. He was strong like he could endure anything. He could thrive in any situation. I still remember the day when I realized I could outwork my dad. He was 65 years old. I was almost 30. We were working on yet another ditch in the backyard, digging some drainage. And my dad said, why don't we take a little break and we'll grab something to eat? And I thought, oh my gosh, I can outwork my dad today. I could keep going. And he was 65. It was crazy. The short version of my dad's story is that for four years, my family and I watched the strongest man we'd ever known wither away, slowly die in his bed because that's dementia. Another terrible tragedy, right? Different from the death of a young man entering his prime. Different than the death of a baby. But no less significant, no less difficult. I know that watching someone go through the process of dying is terrible. But death is wonderfully fantastic. It's our only way to heaven. How else do you plan to get there? <laughs> what my dad went through and what others have gone through, what many of us in this room will go through is difficult, but we saw countless blessings along the way. 
We saw my dad have to stop working and sit down and talk with his grandkids and his kids, and they got to know him in ways they never would have had a chance had he not had to slow down. One of the verses that brought my family so much peace was Romans 8.18 in that time. It says, the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which will be revealed in us. Are you kidding me? Alan, is, is Paul joking? He's not joking. The suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared no matter what my dad was going through, no matter how hard it was. It wasn't worthy to be compared with the glory to be revealed in us, the glory to come in heaven. We need to just think about that for a minute. My dad knew Jesus as his savior. He knew that he was saved by grace. Right now, my dad has full joy and full peace. Right now, my dad is in paradise. He's probably still dancing with his son, Rick, his parents, my daughter, Sydney, and a cast of other motley characters. Right now, my dad is not concerned with any of us. So how can I be concerned for him? Just a few days before my dad passed away, I was on a walk with my son, Lincoln, and I shared with him, I was a little sad. I said, Lincoln, I'm a little sad about what Papa's going through. And he stopped as we were walking, he stopped and he said, Dad, Papa's gonna close his eyes and then he's gonna open them in heaven. I mean, he's gonna close his eyes and he's gonna open them in heaven and he's not gonna know what happened in between. It was an amazing, comforting thought for me. When we are absent from the body, we are present with the Lord. A few days after my dad passed away, my son Asher and I were talking. Asher said to me, Dad, you know, when I think of Papa, I get a little bit sad. But then when I think about where he is and what he's doing, I get so excited, I get a little jealous. We should all be jealous of my dad. Some of us worry about how we would go on when we lose someone that we love when they die. My mom had her parents, her sister, her eldest son, and her husband of nearly 60 years die. And Jesus was there to comfort her every moment. You can ask her. She's sitting right back there. You can ask her after service. Every single moment he was there. And he will do that for you. If you think there's something you can't endure, he will get you through it and he will be with you. He did it for me and my wife. He will do it for you. That's also why it's so important for us to get in our word and get to know Jesus. The better we know him, the closer we can draw to him, and he will draw near to us. We have to ask ourselves if we believe his promises. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Do you believe that? For those of you that have taken that gift of God's promise of eternal life and that can celebrate about heaven, I've got a quick assignment for you. You can do it right after service. Talk to those that you love. Make a phone call or tell those that you love that you're excited to be in heaven, that you can't wait to be with Jesus in heaven. That was one of the most comforting thoughts that my family had when my dad died. We knew he was excited to go to heaven and be with Jesus. 
brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Here's that verse again. We, we, we worship Jesus because he died and he rose again. We have a steadfast hope that anchors our soul. So why do I believe in heaven? Some of the reasons I've already shared with you in my story, but I also believe in heaven because of what I see in scripture. I believe in heaven because I know someone who's been there. Jesus went beyond the grave and then came back to tell, about, tell us about it, to comfort us and to show us that he had conquered death. I believe in heaven because Jesus spoke about heaven many times. He told the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. So there's a better place, the best place of all that we get to go. Jesus told us that he was going to prepare a place for us. And if it weren't so, he would not have said so. So there either is a heaven or Jesus is a liar. I love what Pastor Phil said at the Easter service. Jesus can't be moderately important. Heaven's the same way. Either eternity in heaven is paramount or it's a big lie. I believe in heaven because Jesus ascended. When he first rose from the dead, he told Mary Magdalene, don't touch me because I haven't risen to the Father. And then later, after he gave his final instructions to the disciples, he was caught up in a cloud and ascended to his father. But where was he going when he went to God? He was going to heaven. The apostle Stephen, when he was being stoned, looked up into heaven and saw Jesus on the right hand of God, waiting to receive him, no doubt. I believe in heaven because the Old Testament talks about heaven. Some people say that the Old Testament knows nothing of heaven. It's only in the New Testament. But when we think of the story in Genesis of Jacob's dream of the ladder with the angels descending and ascending into heaven, or when we talk, think about Elijah in Kings 2, 2 Kings, when he was caught up by a whirlwind in front of Elisha and ascended into heaven. Or we think about David when he talks about his son who has died. And he says, I will go to him because he can't come to me. Where was he going to go? Psalm 23, David declares, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Heaven is our spiritual promised land in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. I believe in heaven because the disciples died for their beliefs. They proclaimed the hope of Jesus and his resurrection. They couldn't deny that they had seen the risen Christ. And they died for it. I wouldn't die for a lie. I believe in heaven because heaven is our best alternative to despair. We are not left without hope as those who know, don't know Jesus. If we believe that we have eternal life, then where is that going to take place? Currently not on this earth. This earth is lacking one major thing right now, and that is hope. In Christ, we have hope in heaven in eternity, in salvation, we have hope in Christ alone. And I believe in heaven because God put eternity in our hearts. We're not like other creatures that God created. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that God put the idea of eternal future in our hearts. We yearn for eternal joy, eternal peace, Eternal comfort because God put that in us. Why do we get so sad when a vacation's over or time with friends or family is over or someone dies, 
a life is over because God put eternity in our hearts. And that serves to confirm what God says in the Bible about our home and our eternal life through Christ in heaven. In Psalm 1611, David described a little bit of heaven, what heaven might look like for us. He said, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Think about what fullness of joy could look like. The joy of being on a beach or in a boat or on the slopes pales in comparison to what that joy is going to be and those pleasures evermore. Heaven in Jesus' presence is going to be spectacular. Are you looking forward to meeting your Savior? Are you sincerely, seriously, severely ready and excited to meet Jesus, the one who died for you? Dying stinks, don't get me wrong, but death is wonderful. We have hope in Jesus and look forward to heaven. I'm not saying we shouldn't mourn. Paul doesn't say that we shouldn't mourn. I'm just saying with the right perspective, we can have peace and joy and hope in him. For some of you who have been struggling in, in your time of mourning, I just wanna make sure that you know about the resources we have here at MCC. The MCC care team is amazing. I know from experience. And whether you need counsel or prayer, or if you'd be willing to join a grief share group, God has hope and joy for you through your brothers in Christ here at MCC. I'll finish with one more little story. When my daughter Salem was six years old, uh, I was tucking her into bed one night and I was walking out and I was arrested by a question that she had for me that many parents have gotten. Dad, she said, are you gonna die? I stopped, I turned around, she was in a bunk bed so I put my face right up next to hers and I responded, yes, I'm gonna die someday. I'm gonna be with Jesus and when I die, I can't wait for that. I can't wait to die and be with Jesus. I'm definitely gonna die just like everyone else but I probably won't go for a while. First, Mima and Papa will die and then Tita and Papa and then probably some of my brothers and sisters and then your mom and I will die and then you'll die. But that's, by the time I die, you'll probably be my age. And when you die, you'll have kids that are my age. And they'll be excited for you to go be with Jesus in heaven. It's gonna be so cool. She never asked me about dying again. <laughs> I think she was completely satisfied with my answer. She smiled at me. And I've, she's never so, shown any sign of worry about it. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. That's our big idea for today. We do not grieve as those who have no hope. I know that this message in that idea of hope may be a struggle for some. The idea of death can be insurmountable. And you may not know about the, your ideas of heaven. You may not know Jesus and his comfort. And if you don't have that comfort, and if you don't know Jesus, perhaps you'll pray this, 
pray this prayer with me right now. Lord God, you put eternity in my heart. I yearn for a life that has no end. I yearn for peace and joy. I know you've offered yourself as a sacrifice to pay the debt for my sins, and I accept that wonderful gift. I thank you for the hope you've given me through your death on the cross and in your rising again. I thank you, thank you for the hope you've given me in eternal life in heaven with you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me, for sacrificing for me, for what you've done for me, all the things I've seen and I haven't. You are awesome, God. In your name I pray, amen. So before we sing our last song, which I hope you stand and belt it out with me, we're gonna sing in Christ alone. I just wanna encourage you to walk out these doors today with the peace of Jesus, the strength of Jesus, the joy of Jesus, and share that hope that we have in Jesus. Thanks for listening. You can stay connected throughout the week by following Montgomery Community Church on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about MCC, visit our website at mcc.church.